Welcome to The Honest Report, a weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. The condemnation of Kanye West is reaching fever pitch, intensifying after he was banned from Twitter for this anti-Semitic tweet. DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. Now one of the biggest names in sports facing backlash for spreading anti-Semitism, NBA star Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets shared a link last week on social media to a 2018 film that's been described as anti-Semitic. Here's your host, Rob Walker. On May 14, 1948, David Ben-Gurion, Israel's first prime minister, proclaimed the Jewish state's independence. Across Israel, euphoria erupted as crowds celebrated the country's rebirth after 2,000 years of exile. While today, Israel's rebirth and subsequent success is seem ordinary, it was not too long ago that the concept was far-fetched. But it was in large part thanks to Theodor Herzl, an Austrian lawyer and journalist, who in 1896 penned the book Der Judenstaat, The State of the Jews, which proposed Israel as a Jewish nation-state. Herzl, who died in 1904, never got to see his vision come to fruition. But his memory is being kept alive today by people like David Matlow. Matlow, a Toronto lawyer, is also the world's largest collector of Theodore Herzl memorabilia, and whose recent book, 75 Treasures, Celebrating Israel 75, offers readers a trip through a selected collection of Herzl memorabilia. It is available free at HerzlCollection.com. In this week's podcast, we sit down with David Matlow to discuss Theodore Herzl, his collection, and Herzl's legacy as Israel turns 75. Welcome to the Honest Report Podcast. David Madlow, welcome to the Honest Report Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. You are the proud owner of the world's largest collection of Theodore Herzl memorabilia. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. I have about 6,000 items, and it's a lot. How did that happen? How did this start? Well, I, I've always collected things from when I was a kid. I grew up in Toronto. So Toronto Maple Leaf memorabilia, later Toronto Blue Jays hats, coins, stamps. And as well, I've always had a fascination with Herzl since I was probably six or eight years old. And I know that's weird to think of a young boy being fascinated with Herzl. But at some point, my interest in Herzl and what I call my collecting gene combined. And the result is this large collection of Herzl memorabilia. Walk us through the collection. What are, I mean, you've got about 6,000 items. What represents the lion's share? These are documents. These are photos. What are these? So there's about so over 1,000 postcards. And, and those postcards would have pictures of Herzl, Herzl with other people, Herzl at the Zionist Congresses, postcards from the Zionist Congresses. I have over 1,000 books. Herzl was a writer, a playwright, so they're his books. He wrote the Judenstadt in 1896, which was translated into many languages, so I have many versions of that, as well as his book Alt Neuland, which was written in 1902. I have letters signed by Herzl, and then there is, uh, there are items, a diverse array of items with Herzl's image on it, from sugar tongs to spoons, forks, buttons, pins, rings, uh, medals, coins, all kinds of things. And putting Herzl on items was something that people did after he passed away in 1904 to keep his dream for Jewish homeland alive. And Herzl knew that the Jewish people needed a symbol to help galvanize them behind this idea, this new idea to create a Jewish homeland 
And so he sat for portraits and busts and, and drawings. Um, and so he, he knew that he, the Jewish people needed an image and he became that image. And after his passing in 1904, at the age of 44, the Zionist movement used his image to keep his dream alive. And so how did this begin? I mean, initially, was it that you came across a couple items and you were taken by them and then it began organically? Or was it that you noticed that you had in your possession already a few dozen items and the collection grew from there? Well, actually, my it, it starts with my grandparents who were born in Belarus, came to Canada in the 20s, and in 1955 moved from a, a home on Strathern Avenue in Toronto a uh, very nice home, nice neighborhood, to move to Ramad Gan in Israel. It was the fulfillment of their dream and their aspirations and their work and their longing to live in the Jewish state. And in their home was a portrait of Herzl. We used to go to Israel in the in the 60s and 70s and, and, and visit. And when my grandmother passed away in 1990, I asked for that portrait. Um, because I had this pre-existing fascination for Herzl, and this was item one in my collection. And then it just grew from there. Now tell us about your your connection, your fascination with Theodore Herzl as an individual. There's a lot of figures, of course, who were instrumental in Israel. There was Ben-Gurion, there was Jabotinsky, uh, even going back further, of course, there were a lot of figures who helped, one might argue, create the groundwork. What is it about Theodore Herzl that uh, has gained your fascination so specifically? Theodore Herzl, father of the Jewish state, the leader fired by an ancient vision whose strength of faith, personal charm, and immense activity renewed that vision, making it alive and dynamic. Firstly, it, it starts with Herzl from a, from a political point of view. Of course, it, it, it starts with uh, in the Seder where we say next year in Jerusalem and in the Birkan Hamazon, the prayer after the meals and part of the Jewish liturgy. But from a political point of view, Herzl had this idea. He wasn't the first to have the idea. There were people who had the idea before him. But what's important about Herzl and why he's considered to be the visionary of the state of Israel is he went beyond having an idea, but did something to make his idea come true. There's nothing more powerful than an idea and then galvanizing the Jewish people behind this idea. When Herzl wrote the Judenstadt, his book, The Jewish State, or Midinata Yehudim, which was published in 1896, the idea of a Jewish state was ridiculous um, fantasy and yet he went about to make it happen. And so he worked to make it happen, and he began to put in place the infrastructure of a state in creation. The World Zionist Organization, which was created at the First Zionist Congress in 1897, was an international democratic organization. The Congresses themselves were a Jewish parliament before the state existed. There were 22 Congresses before Israel was created in 1948. Herzl was a genius in many areas. He was a lawyer, he was a journalist, he was a writer. He also understood finance. And so he knew that every country needs a sophisticated fiscal system, an economy. And so he conceived of the idea of the Jewish Colonial Trust. 
which was created in 1899, and it took deposits and funded development um, in in Eretz Israel and what was then Palestine, part of the Ottoman Empire. And he was also the inspiration behind the creation of the Jewish National Fund. Uh, it wasn't his idea, but that was approved at the Fifth Sinus Congress in 1901 to purchase land, to build um, cities and towns and farms and villages, all these things. It was not just an idea. It was putting flesh on the idea, turning his idea into action. And that's what makes Herzl such an inspiring person to me. A lot, there's lots of ideas. Our ideas are a dime a dozen. The secret sauce is to do something about it. So instead of Herzl fetching and whining, it would be great if there was a Jewish state. He started to work to make it happen, and within 50 years it did. So why do you think that he was able to be successful where others weren't? Uh, there, were, there were a number of reasons. Partially, or probably the main reason, was he was so determined to make it happen. He dedicated his life to this cause. He died in 1904 at 44 years old. The Jewish state was written in 1896. So all his Zionist work was accomplished in an eight-year period. Not a lot of time, but what made him successful, and there's lots written about him, his personality, his charisma, his ability to inspire people. There's not anything called Herzlian Zionism. As a, you know, there's revisionist Zionism and there's progressive Zionism and labor Zionism, but there's not Herzlian Zionism because Herzl believed this was something bigger than himself. He put together a team. He was in, uh, able to inspire people to follow his lead. And, and luckily that's the case, because when he died prematurely at 44, there was an organization that carried on his vision. So he was an organizer. He was intelligent in so many things. He had a charisma and a personality that drew people to him and caused people to follow his lead. And that's why I believe he was able to do things that other people were not able to do. And that's why he is the visionary and founder of the State of Israel. You wrote last year uh, in the Times of Israel, you said, uh, and I quote here, Herzl famously said that Zionism is not only about having a land for our people, but building a model society in that land. That work is ongoing and will always be ongoing, uh, end quote. What do you think Theodore Herzl would say if he could be alive today? So in connection with Israel's 75th birthday, he would, in a sense, say, I did it. It happened. The state of Israel exists. The Jewish state exists. He's buried there as he wished. And many of the things he envisioned happened. Um, communal farming, um, a free and vibrant press, a place with, with motivated by technology, a place where Jews could go. And so, in a sense, he, he made it. There are other elements of it that he would be surprised about. He would not have accept, expected that 75 years into this important initiative for the Jewish people, the most important initiative for the Jewish people in 2,000 years, that there would still not be peace. And... This is my own personal view. He would be appalled at the um, internal strife and the um, the manner in which judicial reforms 
are being advanced um, in Israel. He understood democracy. He understood elections. His book, Old Norland, uh, Old New Land, um, portrays an election. So he was quite aware that there would be different perspectives, different views. That was true at every Congress. He went to six of them that he attended. But I think he would be appalled at the manner in which um, changes are proposed are, are proposing to be advanced. So that's my personal view. Um, he's not around to tell us what he would think, but uh, he understood democracy. He was a lawyer. He understood the importance of free and independent courts. And so he would not be pleased with what he's seeing unfolding now. But that may change. And, and Herzl was a dreamer. He believed anything is possible and things can always be changed and made better. So hopefully the end result of this judicial reform strife and in, in internal conflict in Israel will be something better. At the end of the day, that's what he believed. It can always be better. As you mentioned, Theodor Herzl was a, was a dreamer, um, and he perhaps couldn't have uh, expected to see what Israel really would have ended up looking like. Do you think that 75 years after Israel's independence, with the levels of prosperity and stability that perhaps were not too long ago considered to be uh, almost impossible, that there's been a certain sense of uh, just normalcy setting in that perhaps the dream, the miracle of Israel that Theodore Herzl envisioned is all of a sudden just regular life anymore and it's ho-hum. Uh, how does Israel retain that sense of wonder that Theodore Herzl had? There is a danger that when a miracle happens and you live in it and you walk around in it or you visit it, if you're from Canada, um, that you stop appreciating the miraculousness of it. That is a danger. We are fortunate to live at a time when the state of Israel exists. My great-great-grandparents, this was a this was a dream for a hundred generations. This is a dream. And the Herzl message and the quote that you um, read about um, the work being ongoing and will always be ongoing to make Israel a model society, that's what Herzl wanted, that it would be a model society. And that work is ongoing and will ever be ongoing, just as it is for us here in Canada that we should always aspire for it to be better, to be improved. And so the risk is that some people will see it's so difficult. What we're watching on the news is so distressing about the conflict or the, the terrorism or other issues that, that we're so concerned about that people would throw their hands up in the air and say, it's too much trouble. I can't watch. I don't care anymore. And we can't we don't have that luxury. There is only one Jewish state. There will ever be only this Jewish state. So if there's something about it that we're not happy with, Herzl asks us to do something to make it better because he believed that things could change, things could be made better. And if you stood in Herzl's shoes in 1896 and envisioned a Jewish state, you would have said that's impossible. And it happened. And that is less impossible than the state of Israel living in peace with its neighbors. The, um, the various 
uh, factions within Israel now, finding a compromise and figuring a way to live together. All those things moving forward are less impossible than the creation of the Jewish state in the first place. So that should inspire us to continue to work towards Israel's betterment, which will mean something different to each of us. And I get that, and that's fine. But to work to make it better, because this miracle we should not take for granted, because if we take it for granted, we're doomed. Theodore Herzl, of course, much of his motivation for the Jewish state and and writing and, and seeing it to fruition as much as he was able to came from seeing anti-Semitism uh, in Europe at the time. However, many anti-Israel critics have seized on the modern Zionist movement saying that it really doesn't have any historical basis. It only is because of European Holocaust guilt or because of anti-Semitism. How do you think Theodore Herzl, and using your vast collection of his artifacts, how would he push back and say, anti-Semitism was perhaps the straw that broke the camel's back, but that's not why the Jews ended up in Israel as opposed to Uganda. What would his argument be? So the book, the Judenstadt, the Jewish state, its subheading is a modern solution to the Jewish question. The Jewish question is anti-Semitism. Herzl envisioned the Jewish state as a solution to anti-Semitism. And when he wrote it, it was, it was ambiguous as to where the Jewish state could be. It could be could have been in the land of Israel. It could have been in Argentina. And at the first Zionist Congress in 1897, it was decided that the goal of Zionism is a homeland for the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael. That's our ancestral homeland. That's where our connection is. That's what we dreamed about and prayed about for thousands of years. When the Romans kicked us out in 70 AD, we always dreamed of returning to it. And there, you just have to walk around and see the archaeological explorations to know that there is a historical connection to this land. There was a discussion at the Sixth Zionist Congress in 1903 whether the um, Jewish homeland, an interim one, should be in U Uganda. They called it Uganda, but it's really Kenya. And it was determined there's no Zionism without Zion and the, the Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. So that's where our connection is. That's where our history is. His book, as I mentioned, Alt Neuland, Old New Land, it's, it's creating a new society in our ancestral homeland. So if there are those who don't see that there is a connection of the Jewish people to the land of Israel, they're choosing not to see it. If people are saying that the Jewish, the state of Israel is only a result of the Shoah and Jews and displaced persons can't needing a place to go, they're not they're choosing not to learn the facts. You can turn the clock back at least 50 years to Herzl, because this work went on for 50 years before the state of Israel was created. So it's hard to argue with someone who doesn't care about the facts, but the facts are such that this is our ancestral homeland in the same way that, that the Greeks have uh, a homeland and the, the Italian, the, the remnants of the Roman Empire went back to Italy and French have their place and England as well. 
the Jewish people, the Jewish nation are entitled to our own land, our ancestral homeland. And those people who think we don't have a right to be there, they're choosing not to know the facts. That's not to say there are not disputes about on what portion of that land should that Jewish state be. There are political arguments. There are treaties that are inconsistent. There are all kinds of things. So it's complicated. So if people say, well, it shouldn't be, uh, the border shouldn't be here, it should be there, or this or that, that's a reasonable discussion. To say that the Jewish people don't have a right, like any other people, to be safe and secure in their own homeland is choosing not to not to understand the facts, not to understand the history, and to treat the Jewish people and the Jewish nation different than any other nation on earth. David, thank you so much for walking us through uh, not just your own personal collection of uh, Theodore Herzl memorabilia and artifacts and history, um, but really Theodore Herzl as, uh, as an individual and as a visionary. Um, how can people follow uh, and read more about the Herzl collection and your book, Israel at 75? How can people find out more and, and follow your, your journey? So I have a website, HerzlCollection.com. I have a weekly uh, segment in the Canadian Jewish News where I take one item from my collection, not just Herzl, I have a Zionism collection too, and and describe it. And, and when you string these together, it's been going on for over two years, you get item by item a story of the, of the longing and connection of the Jewish people to the, the land of Israel. And in fact, I took 75 of those and put them in a book called 75 Treasures, Celebrating Israel at 75 for Israel's 75th birthday, which is available for free download. Everything on my website is free download. It's about sharing, and it's inspiring, and it's about learning. It's all at www.herzlcollectiononeword.com. Wonderful. David, thank you so much again. Thank you. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report Podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.